Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to White Wine Question Time and a very special episode today in replacement of our usual midweek drop of something from the cellar as we continue to mark and address Menopause Awareness Month. Now until quite recently, menopause was, well, never really talked about and if it was, it was often played out for laughs, the butt of the joke. Mom, I'm having a really hard time here. Did it hit you this hard too? Did what, dear? (laughs) Menopause. Oh, I never had it. (laughs) Mom, everybody has it. Well, I've always been quite health conscious. (laughs) I told you to eat more vegetables. No, not the testosterone implant. They turned her into an overheated sex maniac. Uh, Can I just ask what this meeting's for? (laughs) In the menopause, boo. Oh, we don't have that in America. (laughs) We don't believe in it. Certainly not in L.A. Womb prayer, everybody, womb prayer. Embrace the dryness. Love your womb. Come down, Lilith, and suck up our juices and blow... But for millions of women... Menopause and perimenopause is no laughing matter. I didn't know what was going on with me. For years it just felt like I was crazy and I felt completely alone. I honestly believe HRT has saved my life. I still have mild symptoms and the occasional bad days, but it's nowhere near as bad as it once was. I cry most days. I feel so frustrated that no one is listening to me. 
It's just so exhausting. My partner doesn't listen to how I'm feeling and looks at me as though I'm inhumane. I cry most days and feel so frustrated that no one is listening to me. It's exhausting. This is the reality for so many women. In fact, 600 million women worldwide are heading for the menopause. And one in four of them, when they go to their GP, will in the first instance be incorrectly prescribed antidepressants rather than being offered the chance to start HRT. In fact, this journey for women can be incredibly bewildering and in some cases quite scary, mainly due to the fact that A, we don't talk about it and B, we're not educated about it. In fact, can you believe that 90% of us aren't taught about menopause in school? 90% of the women who are currently menopausal were never educated on it in their place of education. So no wonder we can be left scratching our heads and wondering not only why did we walk into the room and what were we about to say, but how on earth do we navigate the perimenopause and menopausal landscape? But it's not only women that have questions. Men feel just as clueless too. In fact, we sat down with some of the guys in the office at White One Question Time, the production company that makes the show. And I really believe that this holds up a mirror to so many workplaces around the UK. In fact, around the world. We asked the boys, what do you know? What have you seen? Share your experiences. Here's what they said. It was the sort of thing that I was always aware was happening, but didn't really understand or know that much about. The kind of extent of it was her talking about getting hot flushes and sometimes kind of having to stop what she was doing to recover from that. But beyond that, I didn't really see its kind of effect on her and she wasn't one to talk about it too often, which I think partly meant that I probably didn't see a lot of what was going on. Because I remember at school, it was something that was never, ever discussed. I didn't, I'd never heard of the word menopause until like my mid-twenties. So anything around what could be done at school or what we could teach our children, because I'm sure I would look back at my childhood now and I would remember my mum probably going through a lot of symptoms that millions of women also go through but I would have had absolutely no idea and it's a bit sad to think that I could have probably helped her or try and support her a bit more but I just wasn't aware of what she would be going through. See when I hear conversations like that it kind of makes me want to cry a little bit because it just goes to show that actually just a simple conversation that's full of fact-checked, up-to-date, credible information can make so many differences on so many levels to every interaction uh, that women who are going through the menopause and perimenopause um, have, be it with their children, be it with their friends, with their colleagues, and equally for the people around them to be able to better understand what they're going through, why their responses may be, um, as they are sometimes. Um, so... We really wanted to deep dive this conversation and through the course of making these shows across Menopause Awareness Month, two of the brilliant young women that work with me on the show, Temi and Taylor, um, they came to me with lots of questions. We were all researching this, trying to bring you the very best information we can. And they said, well, we've got so many questions. And I thought, well, well, then why don't you ask an expert so that you can better understand it? Because the one thing I can guarantee them both is that they're going to go through it. So they did. We asked Dr. Naomi Potter, who had featured in a previous episode with myself and Lisa Snowden, and who also happens to be my doctor, my menopause doctor, as well as the co-author of the book Menopausing, which she wrote with Davina McCall and has been awarded Book of the Year because it is the kind of, you know, menopause encyclopedia, I guess. Um, we asked her if she could spare another 20 minutes at the end of our record 
so that Taylor and Temi could ask the questions that they'd been left with, having done a really good route around under the bonnet of what is menopause. So here they are. This is Temi and Taylor in conversation with Dr. Naomi Potter and me kind of acting like, you know, some sort of conductor of the White Wine Question Time Youth Orchestra. (laughs) Naomi, for this episode, I wanted to expand the conversation to a different generation. On White Wine Question Time, I am beautifully assisted by two phenomenal young women, Temi, who is 25, and Taylor, who is 21. Taylor is five, six weeks into her working life. And in order to assemble the shows that we're making for Menopause Awareness Month, I tasked them with going off to research it. And their responses were so interesting that in the end, they kept, you know, we'd be be on a call, for example, talking about work stuff. And then at the end, I'd say, any questions? And then they would say, actually, can we ask you a couple of things about the menopause? My mum or, you know, and, and this is, I just said to them, well, actually, if you've got questions, why don't you put them to my doctor, which is you? Because... They found the research to be, in in some cases, I mean, Taylor, you said to me last night, I find this terrifying. So I don't want you to be terrified. I just want you to be informed. And Temi has more questions than answers. And these are... These are two women that are going to go through their own menopause. Of course they are, um, because every woman does. So in this session, I've asked them to work up their own questions for us as we expand the conversation of menopause to the next generation. We are keeping our ladders down, ladies. So, (laughs) Temi and Taylor... Welcome to White Wine Question Time. <laughs> Hi. Hi, thank you so much. You've got the floor. <laughs> Girls, I've given you total autonomy. Yeah. <laughs> I've, not, I've got no sight of your questions. So Naomi, are you open for us to taking on their questions and seeing what, what we can impart by way of, you know, in my case, experience, in your case, fact and wisdom? Of course, of course. Hi. So, who's going to go first? Tem, Taylor? Yeah, I'll go for it. Um, Yeah, I've been researching you so much, and I have just... It's both, like, I love researching it, but again, as, as Kate said, it is terrifying. It's so scary. And I was a bit of an overthinker. I was just wondering, is there anything I can do to prepare... I don't know, my mind, my body, everything um, for maybe even the pre-perimenopause stage of life. I don't know. Is there anything I can do to ease that transition? I think you've done it already, to be honest. If you've, if you've researched, if you've, if you've done all your research and you, it's about, it's about being able to recognize changes, I think. And because if you if you can recognize what's going on, then you're 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 armed, you know. Um, and if, if there's something that you want to do about it at any particular point, you know what you need to do. I think it's because that there's been so much suffering in that is kind of in the perimenopause and generations gone by because nobody's known anything and nobody's talked about anything and nobody's educated anybody. And there's just there's been so much bad information, misinformation um, out there that, that everyone's been lost. But you got, you, you'll be fine because you'll know exactly what's going to happen. So don't be scared at all. You lot are all going to be absolutely fine. Is there anything you can do in terms of your hormones? Is there any way you can track where you are estrogen-wise? So then if there's a drop or a switch, you're more likely to notice it? Not really at the moment. I suspect that it, over the next couple of decades, we will 
you know, by the time you're there, you'll probably be able to get one of those patches. You know, those glucose monitors that you can get to um, to monitor your blood. I suspect we'll be doing those for hormones as well, but we we can't do them at the moment. Um, it's just an idea that I had, but I just think I think that it would um, it's going it will be revolutionary for the perimenopause. Um, but at the moment, no, uh, you can have blood tests, but blood tests are very unreliable because it's a snapshot in time. And what's important is what's happening over the course of many months, not even one month, but it's many months. Um, so it can be helpful where we find blood tests helpful is when you're already on HRT and it's to see whether somebody's absorbed um, but it's more we go on symptoms but that's because we're very probably very backwards really isn't it is a lot of it as well Tam is things like you know like like with your PMT for example if you if you suffer with PMT you'll I mean I, I say this as somebody that every month would go well I, and I still ovulate I think I'm on a call I don't really know um but every month they go god oh god I feel really angry and really this and really that and then I, and then my period would start and it was like I'm like a goldfish and I think so many women will understand this you go oh it's my period like it's new like what so I think in some ways keeping a diary of your PMS or PMT symptoms and then trying to correlate those once you get into your early 40s but you know for some women perimenopause can start much younger not all women but it's it's you know I think I know I've spoken with a lot of women who have post giving birth never felt that their so in their mid-30s never felt that their hormones quite settled again and then in hindsight I've realized actually I was going almost straight into perimenopause uh, off the back of that and uh, so you've got to learn to read your body in so many ways and I think the best way to do that if I had my time again I would have written everything down yeah um, and really kept a journal of how I felt um, yeah because I think you know um, before the physical displays come along for me it was definitely the mental and the emotional um when I look back now I probably should have been on HRT three years before I was and that's three years I won't get back I think raising the question of like PMS um symptoms and stuff like that is really interesting because at our age one of my like biggest questions was that like how can you distinguish between PMS symptoms and early menopause in women because I feel like the lines are pretty blurred. They are. They are very blurred because PMS can easily worsen in the perimenopause and it can be the first thing and the only thing that kind of rears its head. Uh, and they aren't really distinct. It's because, you know, the, the, the symptoms that you get with PMS that it, it are due to hormonal fluctuations and the same in the perimenopause. A lot of the, a lot of those symptoms are due to hormonal fluctuations and they kind of, and they, it, it, there is a massive overlap. The treatment is the same, really, anyway. So what would be the way medically to distinguish that? Would that just be like blood tests and stuff from the doctor? You can't distinguish between PMS and perimenopause by any test. It's, it's, um, it, it, it's, it's a clinical history that, that tells you whether... So, so if you only have PMS and you don't have any other symptoms, then you, you would probably be classed as, as having PMS as opposed to perimenopause. But you can develop PMS as the as one of the symptoms of perimenopause, um, and you would just you treat them both in, in a in a similar way. Girls, can I jump in here and ask you um, a question? Because what I want, what I was um, unprepared for, was your levels of revelation when you started looking into this. The the times that we would jump on a call and you'd go like, almost <laughs> indignant, like, "Did you know that this happens?" And I'm like, "Yeah." 
And and you're so outraged, quite rightly, that you didn't know this stuff. What have been the biggest eye-opening facts uh, around menopause and perimenopause for you both? I think it's that kind of know, knowing that it's it's not the end of the road. I don't know. When I was taught about it, it kind of felt like, oh, yeah, then your periods stop and then you die. <laughs> when I was learning about it at school, like, you might have started your period. And then after that, like, later on, you might it might stop. And then when it stops, you then you're old and you're, you're, it doesn't matter anyway. Like, that kind of was the framework. And I think kind of detangling that and, and completely unwiring what I was taught all those years ago um, has been absolutely insane <laughs> that's really interesting Tem so like you know obviously when you think of America and I, I would listen we weren't even taught at school that periods stopped I just knew that they started I didn't know there was an end but it's really interesting isn't it the way you view that that is like then they might stop and then you die so you've got this this impression of a wizened old woman like a raisin <laughs> of, of a human being that was once a fabulous yes. grape just kind of waiting in God's waiting room to, to cark it and actually what you realise is that that it's actually really vibrant, amazing 40-something, 50-something women that have still got half of their life ahead of them, you hope, and, and so much living to do. And this is just like a massive shitty bump in the road. Yeah, but I guess it's even the fact that doctors don't have to... Um learn about it uh, when they're studying for their exams. I think it's something you have to opt into. So how do I expect teachers to know about it? Of course, like, teachers can't teach it well if even GPs and doctors don't have to understand it. What about when you look around at women my age, right? So you work with me. Um, I'm guessing that your mums are probably of a similar age to me. Not, you know, we're probably in the same ballpark. Has it changed the way you view us and, um, and see us? Well, I mean, it's crazy on this call, Kate, because I, the struggles that you've spoken about quite openly today, I would have never known because to me, you're like Wonder Woman. Like the, the amount, the speed that you, you go through stuff is so incredible. But yeah, in terms of my own experience with my mum, it's interesting because she was going through perimenopause when I was going through puberty. But whilst I was kind of slamming doors and crying over silly things, I was a bit of a terrible teen. Um, she, for the most part, had no real tells at all. Um, there was, of course, the hot flushes and then mixing up my name with my sister's name, but sort of apart from that, there wasn't too much of a difference that I've, I noticed, which is why doing this over the last couple of months has been so great because I've been able to have an honest and frank conversation knowing some of the facts already. Um, and what that's revealed, I've, I've kind of gone up to both her and my grandma and been like, listen, what what, what have I got to look forward to? Um, and they've said, like, they had really, they got really, really hot, uh, kind of like chest on fire kind of hot. Concentration was low, hard, lack of sleep at night, listless, like no energy to do anything, all those kind of stuff, which has given me so much more respect not only respects, I don't know, but I, I just feel closer to them than I did before. I definitely feel closer and more understanding. And also, I didn't even know what was going on. And I, and, I, and I speak to that now even knowing what's going on with you, Kate. I don't know what's going on. I just, and I don't think that I'm completely... Um, I don't think that I, I can't see things. But honestly, the way that your brain works, 
if this is it at half capacity or slower than it ever was, thank goodness I never went up against you in a job interview. <laughs> Kate is extremely adept at covering things up though. I am. She's <laughs> of literally all of my all of my patients. You are phenomenal at putting on a brave face. Do you think so? I, I know so. <laughs> I've seen you. I've seen you. Oh, thank. Well, well, not thanks, because I don't think it's a good thing. And um, I think what I do is I have the most um, uh, honest dialogue with myself and my very closest friends, where I will, you know, cry um, a lot, self doubt, the paranoia, the not trusting myself to speak. Um, what I've learned now is that I'm when I get into those phases, they're just a phase. It's a phase. It's going to pass, and you know, just go out for the walk, do the Pilates, you know, breathe, do all the stuff that it doesn't come out of a bottle. Don't just rely on HRT to be your everything. You have to support the work it does with all the other stuff. So I'm learning, but I'm also learning to be vulnerable because I can see that it's been helpful that I've been that candid with you, Temi, and that actually the way you will now go and view your mum on the back of all these conversations we've had, I need to give a little bit more of that over for the greater good, really. Um, and I love that you can understand what your mum's been through in a way that you probably couldn't had we not done these shows. So for that, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm inordinately proud. And I was blown away by you both when you came to me with so many questions. And I mean, Taylor sent me a document last night that I was looking at in bed at about half past 12. And I was like, blimey, we could do like three one hour specials on this because Taylor, I'm going to bring you back in now. You have so many questions. And this is something that you and your mum have discussed quite a lot because your mum works with. uh, Will you explain to me what your mum does for a living? So my mum's a nurse. She works in the community, but then also she does um, works in <clears throat> sorry works in a women's health clinic doing vaginal rejuvenation. Um, so she deals with women on on a daily basis. Um, and like talking to my mum's really open about the menopause and like HRT and stuff. And I think working with Kate and working on all these menopause specials as well, it's really highlighted to me kind of everything about HRT that I didn't know. I didn't know that it was so so hard to get. Um, Like I know a lot of women have to go private for it, which is obviously a massive accessibility issue. Um, When I was doing the research, only 14% of women are on HRT in the UK. Um, And obviously, like most people that I've been speaking to have said it's absolutely life changing for them. So it's just a shame that it seems so hard to get. And also a question that I have surrounding HRT that I'm really like kind of feel like can be maybe a long answer is when you are on HRT, you want it for, I mean, it's probably dependent on different women, but you want it for the rest of your life? Does it like stop working? That's it's a really good question. And there isn't an answer to that. Um, it depends. So for every, for every woman, you discuss every year, you know, she's settled on HRT, you have a conversation about the risks and the benefits of staying on it, as opposed to the risks and the benefits of coming off it or reducing down. So there, we, we don't really know at the moment, um, and we don't have long-term data on women, say, on the, the current uh, HRT regimes over 20 or 30 or 40 years. This is all emerging stuff. Uh, and so we will know so much more by the time mm. you guys get there. But at the moment, we we just don't know. But a lot of women are just, I, ca- I can't live my normal life without it. And so they want to stay on it. And others are like, you know what, I think I might just try and see if I can see if I can cope without it. And, and some of them do very well. So it's just, a, it's everything, everything's, it's very, very individual. 
Yeah, so so many women are different, and that is like what's crazy. With with the HRT, what hormones are included in that? Because I am I right in thinking that testosterone isn't? It is a, a testosterone is a is a type of HRT because H, so HRT means hormone replacement therapy. So any of the hormones that you use, um, you know, as part of the menopause treatment are is part of HRT, and that would be estrogen, progesterone, testosterone. Um, but as a kind of routine prescription would normally just be estrogen and progesterone, and then some women have testosterone in, in addition, but it's less commonly prescribed. It's not licensed on the NHS, so it's at the discretion of your GP. Is that still right, Naomi, or is that old information? So, the, well, the, the, there is a licensed female product, but it's only available privately, so that's, the, that's Androfem. And um, there are male products that are available on the NHS, but they are not licensed for use in women. So your GP can prescribe the male products for you if they are comfortable doing that. But the, the, the issue with prescribing testosterone is you've got to know how to prescribe it. You've got to have experience in prescribing it and in monitoring and so a lot of these don't have that experience because they never received any training in how you prescribe testosterone. And the frustrating part of that is that for me, and every woman is different, right? Everybody is different. But for me, testosterone was the missing piece of the puzzle. It's the bit that, that put everything back that I felt I'd lost about myself. I got my productivity back. I could complete a sentence. I was working my way through my to-do list every day. I was back in the room. I would never have had that experience had you not been able to prescribe testosterone to me so this is where I get really upset that that so many women will not have that opportunity because they just don't have access to doctors like you um, or are able to afford to see doctors like you and that's that for that for me just breaks my heart really um, because it's really important it's really important also I think let's clear up fact or fiction here testosterone Male hormone, female hormone. Which one is it? It's a female. It's a female hormone and a male hormone. Yeah. No, I didn't know that. The knowledge of testosterone is still very much in its infancy about how it works in women. Uh, we don't really know how it's transported or how how it how it's taken up into cells, what functions it has. Um, it's it's a it's a mystery really, and because it's no, it's never been given much attention. But the fact that we have it clearly means it does something. Um, and we know that it ha- we know that it does something, especially because if you have you know if you have a surgical menopause and testosterone levels can be cut off you know overnight, women really feel it in some instances. So it's um, but it's all emerging stuff. We just don't know very much about it. That's interesting because when I've read about testosterone, a lot of the research is on menopause, sex drive loss, and like your libido. But but I guess what we're saying is it does different things to that maybe or more than that. It is. It is. Um, it definitely has a role in libido, but it's not the only role in libido. So, if you have a low testosterone and um, you are have a low libido, then that's when testosterone is like is recommended by the by guidelines at the moment. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Taylor, what's your next question, darling? Um, I want to know, does the experience of menopause differ for women thrown into it as a result of like hysterectomies or radiotherapy or stuff like that? Is it like more severe or do their symptoms look different? They can be. So if you so if you have your ovaries removed, so when you when your ovaries are removed, it's called an oophorectomy, but it often happens at the same time as a hysterectomy. So you have a lot of women have everything taken out at the same time. And that is called a surgical menopause. Um, and it can be much more extreme than uh, than a natural menopause because all of a sudden, you know, your hormones go overnight, and um, and it's very very badly managed. Uh, well, worldwide, really, um, it's it's been poorly understood. The problem is that it's surgeons that remove ovaries, and surgeons are not medics, so they're not they're not used to prescribing medicines to get make people better they used to cutting things out to make people better but there's nowhere for these women to go there's not a there's not a surgical menopause clinic after you've had your surgical menopause they're just left they're left high and dry and gps are expected to manage it and they don't know how to because they've not been trained and it's a really it's a it's a a very tricky group and they are I mean, we see we have suicidal women come to our clinic um, and it's often those ladies who've had surgical menopause mm. That's absolutely awful. Like the one one stat that I found while I was doing my research was that women between the ages of forty five and fifty four have the highest suicide rate of any female group, with about one it with about seven in every one hundred thousand taking their own life, which just shows you how hard of a time this is. It's it, it is definitely a, it's a time associated with 
with mental health issues, absolutely. I mean, I used to work at a, um, in, a, in a psychiatric hospital when I was doing my general practice training. And I look back now at the, at the women who were there in their 40s and 50s who had never had a previous mental health issue and we were treating, they were refractory to psychiatric treatment in a way that other psychiatric patients weren't. Nobody could understand what was going on with them. And they were so unwell. And I look back now and it's just like, it, it's, you know, of course, it, this was hormonal. They, they were hormonal. It was all, it was, it was menopause, very menopause. I have such regrets about it. I mean, I did not know it at the time, but it's, um, what, if I'd known what I know now back then, oh my God, we've been able to make a difference. That's shocking, isn't it? We've been so um, underserved, misunderstood. And you're right. It's, and you look at those stats that Taylor's highlighted there. I get it. I get it. I never, you know, having struggled with eating disorders as a teenager, I would say that I've always had really robust mental health ever since. And I've worked at it. I've been in therapy. I've studied as a therapist. And then suddenly this stage of life came along and I didn't know my mind anymore. And it was frightening. It can be really frightening. It ends, it gets better. I, you know, I'm not saying this to scare people, but I think it's what you've just told us there is very stark. And, you know, I, I apologise to all those women who have gone before us who have not been helped or supported properly. It's just shocking. Um, Temi, any other questions? Well, yeah, I guess following on from that, um, moving on to like post-menopause or like when you, you're on out, on the other side what can I expect what is it is it one of those things where you kind of return to to a a state you were in before I assume not it's more just you're a different person and your body's different and it's yeah you're you're post it but you're not going back to what you were before if that makes any sense it makes perfect sense that's exactly what happens (laughs) you've explained it perfectly yeah, so it's it's um you know before puberty you have you have a kind of hormonal you know level playing field and during your reproductive years you have a cycle and then in the perimenopause it all goes a little bit bananas and then postmenopausally it it then it, it levels out and some women continue to have symptoms into the into the menopause you can have women who have hot flushes in their eighties mm-hmm. but normally it settles normally it normally settles down and then that's just the new you yeah. Yeah. How do you feel about that stage of your life, Tem, this, this, this perimenopause and menopause? Now that you're aware of it, how do you think about it? Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's still a bit nerve-wracking, to be honest with you. It is, it is something, but it's quite nice that you've opened up the discussion. And I'm excited for the post part. I, <laughs> the, the, the 10 or so years of, 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 of having... <laughs> of having like puberty all over again but um Mm. with more responsibilities it doesn't sound great um but I guess (laughs) but it is all about um knowing what to expect and then because even there's so much uh, misdiagnosis and I know my mum had experience where they just gave her loads of antidepressants because they thought she was like too young to be be going through it and I and I think having more of an awareness about it I guess you could push back a bit more with GPs although these discussions make me feel slightly better about it I think that by the time you get to this stage of your life there will be menopause clinics for women and there will be an understanding of like well of course we've got to have support for it it's 51% of the population 
you know, we're, at the moment we're losing 900,000 women from the workforce as a result of their menopausal symptoms, preventing them from feeling like they want to carry on with work or that they're even able to. So there's an economic argument for this as well. I hope that you don't have to fight like we have had to fight um, to get the support and understanding that, that you need. And, and I hope that everybody will understand it better. I mean, girls, one thing we did ask the girls to do, um, Naomi, was to go around the office, right, to ask. Um, so uh, at the offices that make where we, we make work when question time, lots of shows are made, fundamentally sports shows. So lots of guys in the office. What were some of the questions that the boys had for this discussion? One of the main things I'd be interested to know about the menopause is kind of as a young person how much we should be considering and thinking about the menopause because it's something that will affect us all at some stage whether it's people who are going through it or whether it's people we know and people we're close to going through it but obviously it's something that normally enters your life as you get older but being prepared and thinking about it's not a bad thing but it's just how much as a young person you should be thinking about it and considering it before it really comes into your life. Now that people are talking about it and they understand it and they know how to recognise it, it's just, it's going to be, it's completely different because they will, they will see that in their partners and they'll recognise it yeah. in a way that we didn't with our, with our mothers. So I'm really optimistic. I think it's just, the, I really am. You know, five years ago, we never imagined people would be talking about, I remember saying to people, you know, when they asked me what I did, I said, mm-hmm. I do, I'm a menopause specialist. And they look at me like, what? You know, what's that? <laughs> yeah. It's so different now. And then now they're just like, oh, another one, another one, another one, you know. It's uh, it's so different now, and it's if you guys, it's all going to be fine. It's all going to be fine. One thing I'd love to learn more about with regards to the menopause is how me or anyone could support their partner in later life who's going to go through it at some stage. It's it can be really hard because it can be difficult to extract yourself from the from the relationship Mm. can't it if somebody is not being very nice to you whatever the reason they're still not being very nice to you (laughs) and um if it's a parent child relationship you know you forgive that you you forgive that child for for anything you forgive your parent for anything but it's very it's different when it is a adult to adult relationship um and it can be it can be really hard but i think it's it boils down to education and talking and understanding and and seeking help uh, and sometimes you do just have to kind of go through it a bit to, um, you know, to, to see see what's going to happen and how things are going to settle down. But it, that can be really hard um, because you, you you hold on to stuff even when you know somebody's been mean to you for a reason. You mm. still sometimes it can be really hard to shake that baggage, can't it? And it's very difficult to understand if you're not, um, of, you know, hostage to your hormones is how I describe it. You know, the number of times I've lashed out during these these last few years and, you know, I can explain it to my mum and she gets it because she was there once. But for my son, for my partner, it's it's different. And it's like, you know, you're just a bitch. And I'm like, no, I am a bitch, but I, I get that. And I'm so sorry, but I wish I could control it. And sometimes it is just beyond your control. And you have to find a way to forgive yourself for it. Otherwise, you just spend all week sat indoors, just self-loathing. And that's not helping anybody, especially you. I say that, I don't practice it, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm very good at saying it. 
very bad at doing it. <laughs> yeah, and kind of following on from that, some of the other stuff we spoke about in the office was to do with the cultural differences. How do you think culture plays a part in the treatment and maybe the understanding around menopause? Massively. Mm. Absolutely massively. So in, in, in some cultures, there's no word for menopause. So how do, you, how do you begin to have a conversation about menopause when you haven't got the word for it? Um, you know, even, so a lot of women's health can be taboo and this is just part of, you know, part of women's health. And so it can be extremely hard for those women to, to have access to care and support because they haven't even got the language to begin to say what's, what's happening. And that's, that's one, that is a, a struggle that we continue to see. Um, it's, uh, that's, that's more of a challenge. Does the menopause manifest itself differently in terms of um, different cultures and ethnic backgrounds based on historic diets? Um, I mean, I mean there's, there's lots of things that inform it, right? Um, what are the findings based on the fact that we have very little research to go on? Yes. There, I mean, so there are reports that, that, that different, so different cultures and ethnicities do have different symptoms, um, so pain can be one of them. So, so South Asian women tend to report kind of more overall body pain than um, than other women as part of as part of the menopause. Um, so it, there are there are different pockets of of, um, of symptoms that are that are described differently. But also, it's hard it, it's hard to really establish what re- what's really going on if you ha- again if you haven't got the language and there are taboo barriers and cultural barriers to to even begin to have those conversations um and there are some phenomenal people out there kind of trying to do work to break down those barriers and taboos um but it's still it's very hard to it's very hard to kind of penetrate into those they're so deep rooted you know sex isn't talked about periods isn't talked about mm. um and and menopause isn't talked about mm. and um things like vaginal dryness and, and urinary tract infections and libido and things it's to break down those break down those taboos takes so much trust and um, time so there's a lot of work to be done there girls any other questions for naomi before we allow her back into the wilds to treat women like me <laughs> yeah i have one more um in you you've seem very positive about how it's going to be so much better for us, which is so reassuring. Um, in the NHS, are you seeing active change um, with like inter- things in terms of accessibility and the menopause and like solutions like HRT and stuff like that? Are you seeing active change and progression now? Definitely, definitely, definitely. So four or five years ago, we would have patients come to us who have had absolutely no help from their GPs at all because they've not understood their symptoms, recognised their symptoms, have known what to do. It is much, much less common for that to happen now. We now tend to see specialists, you know, cases that are appropriate for a specialist centre, you know, complex medical backgrounds or breast cancer or um, HRT regimes that are hard to get to grips with. Um, whereas it used, just used to, we used to we used to get women come to us with hot flushes and night sweats and periods changing and oh my goodness I can't get help on the NHS we really don't see very much of that anymore and that's because NHS GPs are sorting these patients out without the, without the need for them to come to us prescriptions um, that so the HRT shortage is an issue that's across the board we've had problems accessing HRT um, for private patients as well. 
Um, but I think, and, and that's a battle that's continuing, and that's for all sorts of reasons. It's not just about awareness, but there's you know, economic and political reasons for for that. But um, the climate is definitely changing. There are new um, menopause centres. Um, you know, funding for those is is a battle because funding for everything is a battle. But it is it is definitely changing. You know, it's your your average GP knows about menopause now, whereas they probably didn't five years ago. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. And I think also because the, the conversation is so loud at the moment, we're able to educate ourselves. So quite often you can you can walk in to a doctor's surgery knowing more. Um, than you would about any other condition that you present with, right? Because it's there and it's accessible. And there are brilliant books available like yours with Davina. You know, the fact that that one book of the year, Naomi, tells you the need for it, doesn't it? Out of all the other books that were published last year, you got the book of the year. I know, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I know, yeah. It's, it's, it still hasn't sunk in yet. It's bizarre. It's amazing. It's amazing. Oh, as are you both for the work that you do, and not just with Davina, but with the menopause mandate, all the stuff that you do with Lisa. Thank you for the education. Um, and, and thank you for talking to the girls today because they will be future patients. It's nice, isn't it? I was, th- yeah, thanks for doing it. Oh, it's lovely to meet you. Lovely to meet you. It's great. Well done. Girls, I feel slightly like a proud mother here. But, um... <laughs> Well done. Stop it, Kate. I am. No, I am <laughs> proud. But also, I'm really flattered that you're interested at this life stage, that you see it, that it's not just over there. And I just wondered, like, how it's changed the way you think about that that life stage for yourselves, but also how it changes the way you see women of my age, like your mums, me, the older brigade. I feel like now... I'm even more empathetic than I was before. I feel like originally I was like, oh, that must be tough. But now I'm like, wow, you have so many things going on all at once. No wonder you guys feel the way you feel half the time. Uh, Well, I kind of wanted to take this time to like thank you and your entire cohort and all your girlfriends who've kind of smashed the doors wide open on this topic. And I don't know, you're, you're making so much noise in the process and it's... It's great. You guys have like made menopause sexy and you've recentered the narrative. Um, even to like a point that I feel like when I'm going through menopause, there'll be no taboos left. <laughs> you've kicked them all away. <laughs> I really hope that you come and visit me in my old people's home when I'm living next door to Jane Fonda and you tell me because that's what's going to happen. <laughs> and then when you come into and I'll say, and then you'll say, oh yeah, it was so easy, you know, because there was all this help and there was all this infrastructure and this will have all been, you know, for something that will be great. But mostly I just want to say thank you to you two for having the interest, right? I've been blown away by your response and the way it's made you prick your ears up and sit up. And the same with the guys in the office. And when I say guys, I mean the boys in the office as well as the girls who've all shown um, a real genuine interest in this. So thank you. I am your proud mum, but also um, I just think you're quite remarkable. So well done, girls. Thanks. Right, back to work. <laughs> White Wine Question Time is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.